with that being said, we are now going to finish uh, our series on Empty the Stage. And so if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 63. Uh, And if you need a Bible, I would love to get some help. We've got Bibles back there. Slip up your hand. Um, We're going to do things a little bit different this morning. We're going to have four people sharing this morning. Uh, And so we've got Angie, Allie, Silvana, and myself coming to share. If you could give them a round of applause. Thank you. And we're not going to have verses on the screen. It's a short passage, and so we would like for you to have a Bible. Again, slip up your hand if you need a Bible. We'll put a Bible in your hand. You can also pull up on your phone, Psalm 63. And if you have a Bible or your phone, go ahead and turn there now, Psalm 63. We uh, chatted about this, uh, I believe, uh, a few weeks ago, and there's some amazing stuff that they've shared. And I'm, I'm supposed to preach, but I was like, y'all said it way better, way better than I can say it, so let's all do this together. Uh, and so you've noticed we've got... Uh, This may be the first time in history of maybe, I don't know, any church. We had a two-piece band and then four communicators preaching. So it's kind of a, it's a lot, lot different when it looks like uh, emptying the stage. So Psalm 63 is where we will be. uh, And we are, just to give you kind of a a lay of the land of how we're going to be doing this, uh, we're going to read a few verses Then we're going to give kind of a point. I'm going to ask some questions to them, and then we're going to keep going back and forth like that. But before we get into the passage, hopefully you're still turning there. Uh, Silvana, could you give us some context to the passage that will set us up for the rest of the conversation? Yes, I would love to. Um, Just if you can see Psalm 63, at the top it says, A Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. And um, this setting is right as David was um, running from Absalom his son, because he was trying to take the throne and um, because he wanted to be king. And if you know anything about David's life, he is kind of used to being in the wilderness. So again, he finds himself in a wilderness again, running for his life. Um, And it actually started pretty early in his life when he was, so this is not a literal wilderness, but when he was um, anointed to be king by Samuel, he didn't become king right away, right? So it was almost like a wilderness of waiting for him. And, um, and there was a lot of things he's learned. God prepared him really well in the wilderness, um, in that wilderness of waiting while he was tending to his dad's sheep um, and killing bears and lions um, to kill Goliath. And then if that wasn't awful enough to be in this wilderness of waiting, he was finding himself in another wilderness as he was running away from Saul, who was trying to kill him and trying to keep him from becoming king. Um, So again, he was running for his life and and trying to hide in the desert of Judah. Um, So what, what, like an observation that I've made when I read a little bit about his life is that the wilderness is, is almost like it's, he's, it's always questioning his identity and the promise that God gave him. So he wasn't come, becoming king right away, right? Like we would, if someone would say that to me, I'd be like, okay, when, is, when am I going to become king or queen? Um, but instead he was, <laughs> that would be awesome, Queen Savannah. But um, 
but God always pre prepared him in those in those wildernesses really well for what was coming what was coming next and so with his identity and his promise being challenged I just want to as we talk about Psalm 63 just want to leave us with some observations of how he was dealing with in his life dealing with those wilderness seasons um, one of them is he constantly reminded himself of who God was and who he was in those wilderness seasons. Um, and he actually encouraged other people to do the same. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with that story of when he was running from Absalom, but there, people were actually trying to take the Ark of the Covenant with them as they were running away. And he encouraged them to put it back because he didn't want to take it from his people. So he encouraged others to do the right thing as well. Um, he held on to the promises God gave him. He reminded himself of those promises. He was patient and persevering. As we've seen, he waited for a long time. He was 30 by the time he became king. And not even king over Israel. It was only, oh, not only king of Judah. But he waited, had to wait another few years to actually become king of Israel. So he was just very obedient. And um, what stood, stood out to me and was was just kind of something that I really loved about him is that he was so faithful in the small things, even tending to his father's sheep. He saw importance in that, um, and he saw value in, in those waiting years. Yeah, that's pretty, just a very short version of a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the good thing is uh, you get to hear a little bit of why do wilderness experiences exist you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, you know, as a Christian, I feel like things are supposed to be hunky-dory. You know, it's like everything's great, everything's amazing, rainbows and butterflies. But as you continue to live, uh, you get to see that, okay, there are wilderness seasons. Why in the world are they there? We get to hear a little bit about identity and how we're working through a little bit of that. Uh, because some of us here in the room, we've probably been in one, we're probably in one right now, or we're going to face a wilderness season in the future. And so what we're going to see here is David giving kind of four responses or, or four things that we can do when we're in the wilderness. Because wilderness seasons will come and there is a valid reason for them. And so we're going to get to see how do we get all that we can out of wilderness seasons. And so you're going to see four responses right here. And if you're having trouble, sometimes it's tough because um, uh, uh, sometimes we end up uh, kind of, what's the word, escaping from reality or uh, we might be feeling like we're medicating and we can't see clearly what's going on and we feel quite confused. And sometimes we don't even know if we're in a wilderness season or not because all we're doing is maybe escaping or numbing our pain and kind of like, let's brush over the wilderness here. And so what we're going to see here in the very beginning is how we know we're in a wilderness season. You're going to get to hear some characteristics right out of the gate and how he responds to those. So let's look at it. Psalm 63, 1 and 2. Here we go. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary and I'm beholding your power and your glory. The first 
point or response that we see is that there is a search. When you're in the wilderness, there is a search. Right out of the gate, earnestly, I seek you. So, my first question to you three is, here we go, what does it look like to search for God in the wilderness? What does it look like to search for God in the wilderness? and kind of sharing. At first, we were just trying to support Benton and his message Thank and you. just say like, that. you know, oh, this is what happened to us in the wilderness, or these are the things that we walked in in the wilderness. And um, as we were sharing our different stories, just to help him with some points, not to share them with you this morning, <laughs> we started to realize just that it could be helpful to share some of how we've walked through wilderness seasons in our own life, because we've all done it. Um, but as People on a, we, one reflection we made is as people on a church staff, sometimes it can maybe appear like, oh, they've got it all figured out, which is definitely not the case. Um, but uh, to actually get back to the question Benton asked, um, searching for God in the wilderness, I can, my parents have this joke that they can name like the bad years of their life. Um, and so I can you know, there's several wilderness seasons, desert seasons, whatever you want to call them that I have walked through in my life. I say like the wilderness of 2016 and then 2018. (laughs) And then we all can say 2020 through 2022, or maybe now, um, we're just wilderness seasons in my life. And so, um, the first, the, the one of 2016, um, the first one that I would say it was my first real wilderness season with the Lord. Um, it hit me really hard and really fast and really confusingly, if that's a word. Um, and I, it took me some time to say, to ask God how I even find him in the midst of just honestly the deep valley that I was in. I was like, I don't, Lord, I don't even know what it looks like to find you in this. It felt very dark and very scary. Um, and the first thing, honestly, that um, I love that we're talking about this with MD the stage, but the first thing that I found that was like an anchor for me was worship. Um, worship is really significant to me, and I think there's just something so special about pouring out um, yourself in front of the Lord. And so um, as I finally began to, to bring myself to a place where I could even talk to God, um, he started to respond to me and show me that he was still there. And so I think um, for me, the, the start of searching for him in the wilderness, I, I think, was worship. Uh, wilderness of 22, that's mine. Uh, in April of 2022, um, there were a few people that were being let go uh, at the job I was working at, and so I was one of those people. Uh, and I had a nice, gracious runway right after that, but in April 22, uh, I thought to myself, and this was over at Grace Athens, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, you know, like, Lord, I feel like you've told me uh, to go after this thing, kind of similar to, you know, hey, da- you know, David's being called king, but yet he's not king. It's like, I feel like I'm called to ministry, yet now I just got let go of ministry. Uh, and so I just started searching in all of the weird, wrong places. One of those was I, I met with a friend who sold pet meds. Now, I have nothing against 
pet meds, if you want to give your you know, furry friend medication, I think that's great. That's nothing wrong with pet meds. They struggle with anxiety, especially ours with storms. Like, there's, there's good reason for medication for dogs and cats. And you can do ministry through the medic. Anyway. But I didn't feel called to that, yet I was searching because the big thing that hit me when I recognized I was in a wilderness is I was sitting up in the bed. Meg, Meg, my wife, was like, are you okay? And I was having panic because I was like, I don't know where our source of income is going to come from. Like, I I thought this was it. And I, in my mind, I saw a nice little on-ramp, and now I just hit a pit, and I'm in the wilderness, and I'm earnestly searching, but I'm earnestly searching in all the wrong places. I'm earnestly searching for, you know, pet meds. Oh, hey, Bitten, you'd be great at sales. Let me take you out to lunch and try to hire you to do this thing. And I'm like, I don't know. Is this it? Should I just go and earnestly search for this thing? But then you see in this passage that he is earnestly searching for the Lord. Not a, a quick solution or a quick fix. He's searching for the Lord. My family and I, we are always late, by the way. And if you want to have lunch with us and I'm late, there's a reason. And it's because I can't find my keys. It's usually me. I lose keys. And I, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where all, your whole family's in the car and they're waiting for you to find the keys. And like, it's, it's Georgia hot and your kids are sweating. Like, where are the keys? Where are the keys? I am earnestly searching for the keys. Like, I am throwing pillows. I am like looking around all of these places. And what we see here from David is he's like, I am no stone unturned. I am turning over every rock. I'm looking everywhere. And for me in wilderness seasons, I wonder, for me, I earnestly seek, but I'm earnestly seeking in the wrong places. And so a question that often comes up in wilderness times is, are we earnestly searching for the Lord like we would be for our keys when our kids are hot in the car? Like, is it that kind of, you know, it, 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 you know, moving quickly to find him, looking everywhere to find him. And not only just earnestly seeking the Lord way out there, but there's something unique about this passage, which is going to get to my next question. It says this. It's, it says, oh God, you, right in front of me, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. There is this closeness in the wilderness. One of the most wild things about the wilderness is that God is there. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. Whenever I look at wilderness seasons, referencing what Silvana said, when it comes to David, it's like he sees God so close that God is there in the wilderness with him. And so for y'all, the question I have is, why is it helpful? Why is that a good thing to know that God is personal to us in the wilderness. Take that one. Mine was 2018. <laughs> I also hey, we wilderness the 18. Year. Yeah. We should make shirts after this. <laughs> wilderness 22. Wilderness 18. Um, I give a little background because then it makes more sense. But I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2018, and I'm since it's all good or good. But um, that was a scary. It was very scary, and you don't really know how it ever is going to end and how it's going to go. And we've been, we went to so many doctors, Ryan and I, um, my husband. And so I started feeling like I was a number, you know. 
and it's just all is so clinical and so unpersonal and the lights are awful. It's just not a great experience, obviously. And so for me, God being personal became something just completely different because there was such a stark contrast from hospital to, to God being in everything that I was doing. Um, he was so kind to me in, in those, just those months of treatment and, and surgeries and all those things. I remember one day I forgot, I messed up my days with another appointment and I I was too early or too late, I forget, but the lady, everyone was just, I felt like God was sending me such kind people, and um, being caring and understanding, and so I always, I felt like he was, he was taking care of me in that kind of way, and he was so personal, because he knew that I needed that, that I didn't need to be reprimanded for being late, Um, or I just needed someone to be kind to me, um, in the stark contrast, so it was like he the people that I met were almost mirroring what God was doing um, for me. So that, but then also just the little things he would do for me, he knew that I needed them. They were so personal to me, um, just things that I value and things that I needed to hear. Um, meals, you know, I like to eat. Just like people, it, it's just the kindness of strangers or the kindness of people, my family and friends was was such a personal thing to me. And I it came just, I felt so blessed by God during that season. Yeah. Hey, Angie. Uh, yeah, I guess mine was fall 2022 wilderness that I can, that I can say was probably the most, um, like, oh, this is actually like a wilderness season. Um, but some of you know, I had a pulmonary embolism. Um, I, I had two um, blood clots and a couple, um, a bunch of fluid in my lungs. And so like, it's a miracle that I'm here. Um, and at first we didn't know what was going on. Um, my whole family thought it was, well, I thought it was mental health until I got on some medication. Um, shout out to Dr. Jose. I don't know if he's here today or not. But um, we were just trying to figure it out with the staff and just, like, what is going on because it started off with panic attacks. If you know anything about pulmonary embolisms, a lot of the symptoms are the same to, like, panic disorder or or, um, bipolar disorder and some of that stuff. And so um, it felt like, okay, Lord, I don't know what's going on with my body. It feels like it's turned against me, and I have no idea what's going on. Um, and it got to a point where I couldn't even leave the house. And so when you get to a point where, like, you can't leave your house because you're walking, like, two steps to the bathroom and you're having to, like, um, catch your breath because you don't know what's going on. Um, I felt like, okay, Lord, where are you? I actually felt like I don't know where you are, Lord. I can't hear you. Like, I know you're here. Um, and I chose, and this wasn't easy. I'm not saying this is easy at all, but I chose to, like, lean in and I chose to worship and I chose to like put on worship music and and make a playlist and um worship and say like Lord you're still good I don't know what's going on I feel like I'm going crazy but you're still good we have no answers we have no idea what's going on but you're still good um and in that when I look back now I think some of the kindness was having like some of the staff come and visit me at home um them praying taking over worship like that was amazing. Um, and 
just the little, I think those are the little bits of kindness that I saw when I could go outside, when I could make it down the stairs. My parents have a big house, and I was like, I don't know, I'm going to make it. Um, but being able to go outside and get some fresh air, um, acai bowls, they're my favorite, Silvana knows. I'm always wanting to get an acai bowl. Um, when I could eat food, because I got to a point where I couldn't eat. And so those are the little bits of, like, ah, joy or, like, just kindness that I felt the Lord near of saying, like, I'm still with you. Like, I... Uh, I haven't forgotten you, and I always felt that. But I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, yeah. Nope. But, yeah. Yeah. I know we could all talk all day, so I don't want no, to. No, 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 no. This uh, is good. So I remember, and I know I wanted to share this um, because I think that this might be something that when you're walking through a wilderness season, many of us have the question of why. Like, why would an all-powerful, loving, all-knowing God allow us to go through the hardest thing that we've ever walked through in our life, like harder than we could have even imagined. Like when you're dumped into a wilderness season, you're like, I didn't even know this was a possibility. Like this is so shocking and surprising. Like why would God, an all-knowing God, let this happen to me? And I remember, um, and I think it was the of 16 one, um, being on my knees with the Lord and being like, Lord, why? Like why would you let this happen to me? This was not this was not part of the plan. This is not what I signed up for when I chose to follow you. Like I signed up for hunky dory. (laughs) Um, And I felt the Lord say that he, he couldn't exactly tell me why. I think sometimes when we're in the wilderness, we're like, we know why we're here, like Jonah. Um, But other times it's just so confusing and hard. And I felt the Lord say, just, I'm sorry. And because he was all knowing, he said, um, I'm so sorry that you have to be here, but I knew that you would be, and I've been waiting for you. And in that moment, I just felt like I had such a personal God who knew my story, who truly was going before me and knew my story so deeply and intimately that he was waiting for me there to comfort me through it and to be my peace and my hope through it. Um, and so I just, I have that for you this morning, just that we do in the wilderness have this personal God who might not, and again, only he knows why, might not stop us from experiencing something, but he will be there when we get there, ready to just wrap his arms around us and comfort and love us through that. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus coming here too. I mean, I remember once going through a time where I felt so rejected by someone and I was like, Lord, like, like rejection is terrible. Like, why would you make me feel this? And he said, you don't think I felt rejected? Like we have such a personal God who has experienced so many human emotional things that we have to, all of them, that we have to walk through. And just knowing that about Jesus, that he came here to experience those things so that when we experience them, we're meeting a personal Savior who knows what it's like. Um, It's just beautiful. So good. And and too, like, just just a, I feel like we got to say it. Some of the wilderness seasons that maybe you're in were not caused by you. Like, it's, it's not your fault. I think some of us need to hear that. It's like some of them were, some of them could be caused by us. Some of them could be caused to us. Um, and some of them are just because we live in the fallen world that we live in and they happen. But the reality is still true that Allie just hit on, which is he is there. He is there. He knows how to be close. He knows how to be in the wilderness. He knows how to be patient in it. He knows how to come close to us. He knows what's going on within us. 
Uh, and so some of the wilderness stories you've already heard, um, I would say it's not because you know, we've been bad people and God is punishing us. It is we live in a fallen world and things are falling apart. And in the same reality, God is close to us in those places. And so I just want to say that as well. Uh, and I also want to say, Angie, it is amazing that you're here. I'm being serious. Like, we cannot and could not get through this past season uh, without you. And it is God's goodness uh, that you're here. Uh, and yeah, amen. If you know anyone that's had pulmonary embolisms before, I mean, it is definitely no joke uh, on the reality that could have been, but God, in his kindness and graciousness, has Angie here to share, and she's going to share the next point as well. So here we go. Psalm 63, verse 3 and 4. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. The second point here is the word sacrifice. Specifically, it is a sacrifice of praise. And so we've seen him earnestly search the personal God. And even when he's in the wilderness, he's giving a sacrifice of praise. And the reason I went to you, Angie, is you already hit on this, you used the word choice. I chose to do these things. And so I wanna ask you the question, and I want you to kind of talk about this a little bit more, uh, is what does a sacrifice of praise mean to you? And if you want, you can share a little bit more of that real life example of what you were already sharing. Um, yeah, so I did not want to praise God during that time. If I'm gonna be completely honest, I was like, this is awful. Like, where are you? Like, quite literally. Um, but I knew that he was the only thing that I had. Like, there was nothing else that made sense in my mind besides, like, I just need to sing. Even though I can barely, I barely have lung support, like, I just need to sing. And I remember one particular night um, in November, my mom came in my room and she, I'm just crying and I'm like, I don't know when this is going to end. She's like, it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be fine. And praise before my breakthrough comes on. And I just started singing and I'm just like weeping and I'm like trying to get the words out. And my mom's just staring at me because I could barely lift my hands at this point. But there was like a strength that came in me and nothing happened after that. It, w it went back to like regular, the same thing kept, kept happening, you know, but when I think about that moment, I knew, like, that was a choice. Like, I could have just sat there and still stayed in, like, kind of this pessimistic, which I, I very much was. Like, I think in wilderness seasons, it really is a choice. Like, you have to fight for it. Like, you kind of have to fight to choose to, like, I'm going to worship. I'm going to give you praise. God, I'm going to say that you're good. I'm going to say that you're holy, that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider, all these things. Like, I had to force myself to say those things even though I didn't believe any of them. Like, during that time, I did not believe that. It wasn't like I was sitting there like, yeah, you are. I was like, I guess you're my provider. I guess you're my healer. I guess you're gonna, yeah, like, you know, because um, I was desperate. You kind of have to get desperate of like, um, this is kind of where faith, where like faith matters, you know, I guess. Because um, 
you don't know. Like, in that moment, I did not know. I was like, it's been two months now. I don't know if I'm ever going to get better. I don't know if life's going to ever be like it was. But I have faith, and it was, like, this big. Like I'm saying, I was like, I guess you're my healer. I guess you're a provider. Um, but I think that helped me in turn nowadays, like, with whenever there is a, another wilderness season. Because on top of that, I mean, if I'll be a little transparent, my parents were going through a nasty divorce. Our family was crumbling. So that was like the tip of the iceberg for my family of like, now Angie's sick. Um, and so it just felt like one thing after another. And so um, it kind of changes your perspective because now you kind of can go through wilderness seasons. I'm like, okay, I've been here before, if that makes sense. Praise Before My Breakthrough by Brian and Katie Torwell. I had that on repeat, like, every day, all good. night. That's really good. The whole album is incredible. It's incredible. Check it out. If you're in the wilderness, turn that one on right now. Yeah. In your car, on the way home. It's, mm, it's mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. I want to share something. Angie, I don't know if Angie knows this, but Becky and Caitlin and I went over to Angie's house and prayed for her while, while she was going through that. Um, and we were praying in your room. And it was all quiet. It was very peaceful. And as we were praying, the song started coming on, the praise people for my breakthrough. And it was just, it was a holy moment. You know, when you ever feel like that, oh, God is like right here with us. And, but I didn't know that this is the importance of the song to her. So that was kind of, just look at that. We're finding out things. Um, What does... To y'all, what does praise look like when you are frustrated? Because in the wilderness, we can tend to be frustrated. Um, if you want to know, uh, if my hand, if, 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 I'm, if I look like this up here, that's frustrated worship for, for Benton. So uh, what, what would it look like uh, for y'all to kind of have this sacrifice of praise uh, while you're frustrated in the wilderness? I'll go. <laughs> so to me, when I'm frustrated, I feel like I don't want to talk at all. I don't know if any of you feel that way, but I want to hide and, and just seclude, whatever the word is, seclude myself. But um, what I've learned is that God, and David does this really well in the Psalms, is the practice of lament and telling God, I'm angry, I'm mm. frustrated, I'm whatever you're feeling at the time. It's just fine. I want to, that don't go overboard, obviously, but it's okay. God knows those things are in your hearts or in my heart, right? And so I think sometimes saying it, it will just break through to what you really, to just praise him and to, to thank him even in the wilderness. Um, but getting, almost getting it out of the way, the things you're feeling, that you're really feeling. Because we don't have to pretend Right? Going through hardships, we don't have to put on a, just a happy face. That's not real. Um, and honestly, God can't do much with that. But he can do a lot with, our, with where we really are, where we are at, with our feelings and um, disappointments and all those things. So I've made it a practice to even search myself. Okay, what am I feeling? Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling angry? And then saying those things, sharing those things with God, and then sitting and receiving um, and listening to him. But then out of that comes the thankfulness and the praise. And um, it does answer the questions. Yeah. 
I think so. Yeah, you did. You did. Good job. Yeah, naming name where you're at, naming the emotion, yeah. and, and understanding that God, God knows those things as well. It's good. Um, well, looking at 5 through 8 is where we're going to be now. So if you could look at that, Psalm 63, 5 through 8. And what's interesting is we've now looked at this earnest search. We've got this sacrifice of praise. And then there's this crazy turn right here in 5 through 8. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. I wrote in my Bible, Fogo de Chao, that's actually in my Bible, uh, where for me, it's like, I am so satisfied. I mean, yes, you know, let's turn over the card, bring on the lamb, you know, it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break. My soul is satisfied of like, man, this is just so good. And the reason it's good is because of these next few verses. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you and your right hand upholds me. So now what we see is there's this earnest search. There's this sacrifice of praise. And now there is this satisfaction that is found in the Lord and in his presence. And it's amazing. I I think about like the, the quote from Mother Teresa. She goes, I found the paradox that if you love until it hurts, there's actually no hurt there. There's only more love. And when you go from searching to this idea of sacrifice or surrender, it's like, I am just laying it all down. I don't feel like it. Here's my frustration. Here's my emotion. I'm giving it all over to you. You think you're going to be empty, but yet there's only this satisfaction and this fullness that comes out of a place of sacrifice and surrender. And it's the same thing here. It's this wild paradox of walking with God. It's like, I'm going to give it all over. Wait a minute. I'm completely full and satisfied and overflowing to where joy is coming out of my lips. Praise is coming out of my lips. It's like overflowing satisfaction found in the Lord after a place of sacrifice and surrender. And so with this satisfaction, how are you satisfied in him when you see no tangible fruit? Because in the wilderness, you're like, I, this is verses one and two. I, it's a dry and weary land around here. I don't know, I got no fruit in my life around me. There is no water. I'm very, very thirsty. And so the question is, how are you satisfied in him when you don't see any fruit or you don't even see a way out of the wilderness? How are you satisfied in him with no fruit and a feeling like there's no way out? Um, so in, I haven't like said the specifics yet of 2016, but that was my first, that year was my first big girl job. Um, I had a couple internships before this job, but my husband and I had moved to Washington, D.C., and I had my first big girl job, and um, my whole life, things had come fairly easy for me. I know that's like, you're like, eh, cool, like, good for you, um, but like, um, I was really good, like, school was just easy for me. I was like one of those, like, good test takers. I'm the oldest of five kids, and I had that, like, oldest daughter. Yeah, Angie and I are both the oldest daughter of five kids. 
Um, and just had that like oldest daughter energy of just like, I can do anything and I can accomplish anything. And everyone around me is telling me, you can do anything and you can accomplish anything. And oh, look at your grades and look at the colleges you got in. And woo. And then I got my first big girl job and I had a boss that every day told me I was doing every single thing wrong. Um, who would like yell at me in front of my colleagues for like one spelling mistake, just a very difficult and demeaning work environment. And suddenly I started to get panic attacks and I didn't know where they were coming from or what was happening. Um, And I had to go on this crazy journey with the Lord of mental health and identity where I learned that my whole life I had built up this false self of performance and that I truly like thought that like everything was good but it was because I was the one in control. Like I was the one making everything good for myself. And when there was something outside coming in and saying, actually, you're not good. Like you're nothing, you're bad. Um, I had nothing to stand on because if I wasn't good, I had not reached the point where I understood that it was God that was good. If I wasn't good, I thought nothing was good. And so um, I had to go through this, this journey of learning Um, through this like anxiety mental health journey of learning the goodness of God. And um, while I was walking through this, this anxiety, like I truly felt hopeless in this season. I had nothing to depend on and nothing to rely on. I saw no fruit, but I saw no fruit because I wasn't producing it. And I hadn't learned what it looks like to receive the fruit of the Lord. Um, And so I remember being at the house church that we were going to and And I was just sitting there praying to the Lord. And I was like, Lord, I have nothing left. Like, I, no one sees the value in me. Like, I have nothing left. There is no fruit. Like, and I felt the Lord say, what if you're just my daughter? And like, how does that sit with you? Like, if you're not producing anything that anyone can see or appreciate, but you're just mine, what does that mean? And for the first time, I felt such relief that I didn't have to do it all. Like, like Benton was saying, when we, when we put aside, when we actually surrender and sacrifice and give up the thing that we think is going to sustain us, what we find is that who we are in the Lord, that is all we ever need. That is the thing that sustains us. And, and the fruit of our life is that we get to be children of God, which is really good news. Um, so I don't know how to land this plane. But um, all of that to say, what, what I found in the Lord is that sometimes when there's no fruit, it's because we don't know what real fruit looks like. We think that we know how to define it. I remember the Lord asking me a question once in another weird wilderness time of, like, what if, like, how you define success is just all a lie? And I think at the end of that, God reveals to us, the fruit of your life is who I say that you are. And that is just the beautiful, one of the beautiful things that we get in the wilderness. Yeah, I think... (laughs) Because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to talk that much, but um, <laughs> but I think to your what you said at the end, um, the best thing about the wilderness, if you can find something good about it, is that it really God really hones into your identity and makes you see that like the only thing that matters that He cares about is you, like who you are, um, and He speaks into that. Um, and it's a, it's a time where your identity really gets refined and really gets firmed. And, and like, once you're out of it, you kind of look at things a little bit like, oh, like, the things that I weighed or valued as, like, fruit, like Ali was saying, they really don't matter because I'm just enough. Like, 
our relationship, who I am in the Father and who he's been to me, like that's enough. Um, so everything else really looks like a gift. You really see life as a whole gift. Like life is such a gift to me now. Um, every little thing, like the cup of coffee I get, when I get an hour of sleep, I'm just like, this is a gift. And like, you're able to look at those little things as a gift. Um, and when things really get really bad or um, you do end up going into another wilderness season, it's not that you're like, oh, I've got this. You're just kind of like, oh, okay, like I said earlier, we've been here before. And so we know that God is with us and it's going to be hard. It's going to be what it is, right? Um, but we've been here before. Um, and we, I know who I am and I know that he's with me and the fruit that matters is that um, I'm a child of God and I've grown in who I am in him um, and everything else he'll show after. Sometimes you don't see the fruit till after, right? Um, or you just won't see it till you just don't see it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we may not see it. Someone else may see it. Yeah. And, you know, it may be years, years to come. Well, there's one more response here, and then we would like uh, us to have a time of response after this reality. And if you noticed, there's some paper on the sides, and there's something back there that Allie's going to share with us in just a second as we respond in worship. And it comes out of this last piece. So let's read it. Um, we've seen the search, the earnest search, the sacrifice of praise, satisfied in him. And now here's the last one. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. And all who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. This last reality is uh, that we are sustained by the shalls, if you will. Or sustained by the promises of God. That the things that may come after the children of God will pass away and that we will rejoice. There's this future hope that does sustain us. And so what we wanted to do now is have a time of response. Uh, and so, Allie, if you could uh, lead us through that. Uh, can you give them a round of applause for sharing? I mean, thank you all so much. So... Um like we've been saying, we've been going through this series, Empty the Stage, and we've really wanted to dig into what does it look like to truly worship God? What does that look like? To give all of ourselves to him. Um, and this week, that the, we give each week like a little title when we're preparing for our sermon series. Um, and this one was Real Worship. And I think we sometimes get this impression in our head of that real worship is coming here, it's sitting in a pew, it's lifting our hands unto the Lord, and that is worship. We, we don't need to say that it's not. But what I found in my life, and I'm sure many of you have in yours, is that real worship happens in the valley. It happens in the wilderness. It happens when it really is just you and Jesus on your kitchen floor crying out to the Lord, lamenting to him and saying, Lord, you're all I have. Like, if I can't worship you, I have nothing left. Like Angie was saying, like we were saying, that's just that desperation of, I have nothing except this kitchen floor, my knees, and the Lord, right? Like, that, that's where I'm at. And so I think our response today as we just give our, our sacrifice of real worship to the Lord, we, we really just want to open up this room and just give you an opportunity to be with the Father for a little while as we respond in worship. And 
I think the main thing that I've learned about God in the wilderness is that he's so much kinder and sweeter and gentler and just good than I could have ever known if I had never met him in that space. And so this morning, we just want to meet with a good father who just loves us and wants to refine us in the wilderness. Like we were saying, we learn who we really are in him in those times. And so I think that I know that God has something for you this morning, no matter if you're you're in the valley or you're on the mountaintop or you're, you're somewhere in the middle, you're coming out of something hard, or maybe you get the impression that you're about to walk into something hard. Um, the Lord has something for you this morning. And so we just want to respond to him. And we have some different ways to do that um, around the room. Um, and I, I do want to remind us before we respond, it's, it's what Angie was saying, that God cares more about you and who you are um, and your transformation more than anything else. And, and he just loves you so deeply and he longs for you to know that identity, that you are his son, you are his daughter, you are perfectly made in him. And so as we respond with these things, I just want you to have that, that just knowledge in your heart going into this. Um, in this Psalm, we see David just desperate for a father um, who can help and satisfy him. And I think when we're in the wilderness, those are the two things that we want. We want help. We're like, Lord, please get me out of this. And we want to be satisfied. We want to be living a life that we love. That's, I think, a desire that God put in all of our hearts. Um, and so when we're in that valley, we want to be on the mountaintop. And we want to finally have everything in life that will make us happy and complete. And when we're in the valley, it's so easy to be consumed by wanting that mountaintop that we become, like Benton said, desperate for the wrong things. We're just trying so hard. We're grasping for those things. We want to be the one who, who gets ourselves to the mountaintop. But then on the mountaintop, once we're there, it can be so easy to find temporary satisfaction in the wrong thing. So whether you're in the valley or the mountaintop and you're looking for that thing that will satisfy your heart, um, we can just forget that God is the one who really satisfies in both of those spaces. My favorite verse about worship is in Romans 12, verse one, which says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So God is inviting all of us into this deep, beautiful, satisfying relationship with him but it's gonna take some sacrifice and it's gonna take some surrender to the things, the better things that he has for us. That was a prayer I've often had in the wilderness is, God, I want your best. I don't even know what that is. I can't comprehend what that is. Only you know what that is because what I think is my, from, is my best has been failing me. So Lord, give me your best. And to get the Lord's best, it does take surrender. It takes a laying down of the things that we think are best for us so that we can get God's best. So as we respond to this invitation this morning, we just wanna, again, like I said, open this room up. You see over here to the left and the right, there are these um, pieces of paper hanging on the walls and those are for your surrenders. So as you enter into this time with the Lord this morning, we think that action is helpful when we're surrendering something to the Lord to just take that first step. And so we wanna invite you to use this space to just write down the things that God's asking you to surrender. I know that can be really personal. So maybe it's like a secret code between you and the Lord of what you're, you're putting up there. To, um, and you and God know what it is that you're surrendering to him. But um, just to pray about that. 
And I think what's so interesting when we're um, in the valley, I know that some of you are going through really hard things, things that I don't know anything about, things that only God knows. And you might be saying, I don't have anything left. I have nothing to surrender because I have nothing. Um, And I think that the enemy can be really tricky when we're in the valley and can convince us that we're not putting things above the Lord that we actually are. Um, I remember when I was going through one of my wilderness seasons, um, I came across this Instagram post from a mom who was walking through a really hard season. Her son had been in the hospital for months, something that I don't even want to try to imagine. Um, And she um, wrote this, this prayer or this message out on her Instagram about the things that she was walking through. And I wanna read it to you this morning as we're thinking about surrender, because I think there are sometimes things that we don't even realize that we are holding on to that we're putting above God and not surrendering. And it says, one of our son's prayer warriors messaged me recently and said, we are not running out of time. Time is not our God. She's right. I know with every stitch of my being that our loving, compassionate and merciful God is sovereign over all of our son's days, hours and minutes. And while that knowledge is an immense comfort, the waiting is becoming more painful by the second. For me, for my family, for you, for the people you love, for all of us who have the clock and the odds stacked against us today, we'll say it together. Time is not our God. The odds are not our God. Sickness, circumstances, confusion, and uncertainty do not get to receive our worship. And for some of you in the room this morning, that might, those might be your circumstances. You might be thinking, I don't have enough time The odds are not in my favor on this one. I have been given some sort of diagnosis. I've been given some sort of news and we are holding that above the father. And he's asking us today to lay down our timelines, to lay down our season, to lay down our circumstances at his feet so that he can satisfy us. So as you're thinking about what to surrender, I just say, sit with the father and pray and ask him, Lord, what am I putting above you that I don't even realize? What is the enemy using to create separation from me and you in this wilderness season? Communion is also available on the sides and in the front and the back. And while you're taking communion, I just ask you to remember that God led the way in this. He sent his son as a sacrifice for all of us to show us what it looks like to love so deeply that we would sacrifice everything for relationship. And to remember that Jesus came here to be our personal God so that we can relate to him. And through his death, he created a way for us to have a relationship with him. And the altar up here is also open, so come, just be with the Lord. Maybe what you need this morning is just some comfort. You need to lament, like Silvana said, you need to come and just be on your knees before the Father and say, this is hard, this is terrible. Comfort me, be with me, remind me that you're here for me. And in the back, like Benton said, um, there's a scripture up there about the promises of God and how in Christ, all of the promises of God are yes and amen. All promises are revealed through our relationship with Christ. And there are some cards back there with the promises of God written on them. So take what you need, take one, take five, take 20, if that's what you need to, to sit in the promises of God this week that he has for you in your season. Because I promise you that whatever he has for you is better than what you can imagine. Um, So as um, Angie leads us in this next song, just sit with the Lord, pray, go right, surrender unto him what you need to surrender. Come up here and receive from the Lord, sit in your chair and receive from the Lord, take communion and receive from the Lord, 
and then take a promise in the back as a reminder of all that God has for you. I just wanna pray for us. Father, thank you for every story in this room. Thank you that you are here with us, that you are a close, personal God that we can rely and depend on. And as we enter into this time with you, Father, I just pray that you draw close to us. You reveal what we need to lay down in this season, Lord, to be closer to you. And that you would comfort those who need it. You would give peace to those who need it. You would give joy to those who need it. Amen.